0: Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, amen. Well dear friends, we all kind of know that we live in a sinful world, don't we?
1: Indeed, it
0: seems every day there's some kind of force that, that's out there trying to bring discouragement into our lives and yeah you know it, it's just kind of how it is isn't it now hopefully for many of us as well we've had the, just the, the opposite effect a, a, a godly christian person coming into our our lives uh, providing encouragement you know providing the uh, you know blueprint for how maybe we can lead a, a better life Perhaps for for some of you, it was a a, a coach in in high school, a coach that that did things right, a a coach that provided encouragement, a coach that that built you up and helped you become a a better athlete. Perhaps maybe it was a, a favorite teacher in school. Maybe you had even two or three favorite teachers over the years. Someone when you're thinking back, and I mentioned The favorite teacher, that person kind of pops into your mind. You know, that that one that encouraged you in in mathematics, or the one that encouraged you in in reading, in in literature, the the one that was your your shop teacher. Yes, hopefully, yes, well, it maybe was a a parent. And we have, you know, Father's Day uh, coming up, right, just next weekend. May a mom or a dad always there sitting a, around the table providing encouragement day in and day out. You know, certainly we have these examples at some point, don't we? But also we've experienced just the opposite, haven't we? Now you may well think back to your athletic career in high school and say, oh man, I had this one coach. Oh. It was terrible. uh, The coach put me in the game one one time, you know, and and then he brought me right back out and and I asked if I did something wrong, and the coach said, you were just there because so-and-so was talking." That's really the opposite of being a good coach, being someone that encourages people, being someone that, that builds you up, isn't it? And unfortunately, throughout our land, perhaps, you know, they're they're parents, right? Maybe you have a a good friend and you would go to your friend's house and you would see how, you know, the the friends of your parent, the parents of your friend rather, you know, just kind of ran that person down around the dining room table. You'd be hanging out with your your friend and the the first thing that that parent, you know, kind of came to have the expectation that he must have been up to something because my dirty, low-down, no-good kid was always messing up, you know, somehow. And so, too, we've had, you know, teachers. We've had other people in our lives that they bring this kind of a discouragement. And into the, the face of this, our Lord comes this morning, and he reminds us this world is not our home. That there's some place better that we're looking forward to. That there's a, a place in the heavens. It's not touched by human hands, but rather it is that perfection of God. And then furthermore, you know, within this world of discouragement, we also all have to face this thing called aging. No. Yeah, a little bit older all the time. You know, when I I first got here, I still had hair through the the middle up here, you know? And you start to lose a little bit of that. And when I first got here, you know, I I used to always be out in the backyard playing ball with my boys. And and now as the the summer rolls around, I'm I'm thinking, you know, maybe I have to actually exercise and, and try to get back into shape if I'm gonna go out in the backyard. And play some ball. I sent through a, a soccer game just this week, and i I went to get up, and my left leg was completely numb, and I went to take that first step, and I had no feedback whatsoever. It wasn't just tingly. You know, it just was like, when I went to put my foot down, I wondered if it actually was laid flat on the ground or if it was sideways or twisted around in some funny way. Just have nothing there, right? A little bit stiff. Not, not moving quite as well. And the Lord comes into our lives and he says, you know, guess what? If this earthly tent you live in is destroyed, we have a building in the heavens. Not, not touched, not corrupted by human hands. The Lord comes in and he tells us how to kind of think about this earthly experience. And essentially, it's kind of like we're just camping out, isn't it? You know, many of you have gone camping sometime in, in the past, right? You know, you 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 leave your your nice home behind, <laughs> right? And, and you went out into the woods, and you know, there, there's no air conditioning, and, and maybe you forgot the bug spray that one time, and you decided you're going to kind of stick it out anyway, and you you set up your tent, you know, and, and the, the ground is hard. And you're roughing it. And your your eight-year-old son went to, to chop some kindling and he, he cut his thumb instead. And then you had to worry about if I'm going to go back to the, take him into the hospital or can, you know, we get through the weekend. And then you got back home at the end of that and you said, I am glad I have a house. Right. Instead of some old leaky tent instead of some temporary kind of a shelter. I'm glad to be home. And the Lord comes and he reminds us that, the person that we are is not this physical body. And the person that we are is not whoever it is that walks around on this earth. And, and you know comes and goes and, and does the, the good or sometimes the, the bad that we do, but rather the person that we are is something inside of us. It's our spirit, isn't it? And the spirit that we have living within this human body, God tells us, is simply as if we are living in a tent. And I know over the years, we kind of get attached to our earthly bodies, don't we? And you, you know, you, 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 you fell or something happened, you say, oh, I hurt my knee, or I hurt my elbow, or I you know, bumped my head, or my, my eyes are growing dim. We come to kind of think of ourselves as if you know, this you know, chunk of flesh is us. And once again the Lord tells us, you know, this is simply a tent. Right? Our human body, it's just a tent. If this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, whether it happens by accident (coughs) overnight, whether it happens within a few weeks because of disease. Whether it happens over the course of a lifetime, because you know we got to be a hundred years old. Our tent is taking a a little bit of damage every day, isn't it?
1: And you know, maybe at
0: times we wake up in the morning and we we say, Boy, I I wish I could get a new tent. But God tells us instead He has something even better in store for us. He has a house, you know, a nice brick house, a nice, you know, stone-columned house, a nice home in the heavens. And that home, it wasn't touched by human hands. Now in recent years, a, a lot of new construction, you know, going up a, around our country, you know, kind of these, you know, paper cutter, types of homes. And some of these homes, you know, in more expensive areas, they they could be, you know, a four or five hundred thousand dollar home a a new customer is paying for. And and they move in and the the corners aren't square. Right? The the floors aren't aren't level. Sometimes they begin construction before the concrete is actually set and they they begin to, to sag and and Buckle in places. No, God says, you know, guess what? Your home in the heavens, it's not touched by human hands. The corners are square. The concrete set up first before I, I, you know, began the first story of the building. Everything in that home is perfect. It's wonderful. You're not going to be able to find a fault with it. And dear friends, that is where we're going. That is what we have to look forward to. It's not just that you and I are going to get a new tent, as marvelous as that might be, but you and I are going to have a home in the heavens. It's going to be without reproach. Not going to be able to pick at it. It's going to be just as we want it to be. And that's the promise that God has made. We have something to look forward to, there is something better out there. God has a place for us. Now, hopefully this morning that gives us some reassurance. though we can say, you know what, even though maybe things look bleak right now, uh, even though I'm maybe having some health issues, maybe though right now I'm you know kind of feeling bad that I, I'm aging, even though right now things <laughs> at, at work aren't going just perfect because my boss is kind of a jerk, you know, Maybe even though right now at my school, it isn't that wonderful, I have a hard professor, even though right now I have a coach that doesn't know what he's doing, there's something better down the road. And using Jesus Christ and our love for him, we as well can begin to make a difference, can. Because when we have that hope and that love of Christ within our hearts, we can be the one. As I talked about earlier in my sermon, you and I can become the kinds of parents that provide encouragement and support and lift our children up. And you and I can become the the kinds of of teachers, perhaps not even in in the public school, but the kinds of teachers that are able to give instruction to our our nieces, our nephews, other young people we come into contact with to again reassure them of that certain hope. That there are people out there who have been changed by contact with Jesus Christ. That there are people out there who understand things are going to get better, even though in this earthly time, maybe we're shaking our heads. there is a place in the heavens, a place not corrupted by human hands, a place that God has made for each and every one of us. And then he says he gives us the guarantee. The guarantee, he says, is the Holy Spirit. Now for us as Lutherans, you know, once again, we believe that the parents bring the tiny little baby into the church, right? the, the tiny baby has no choice in what's happening, but the Lord laid upon the hearts of the, the mom and dad for the most part. You know, sometimes it's the grandma and grandpa. I get that baby baptized. And the little baby then is brought into the church. It has no choice in the matter we, we bring the baby to baptismal font, right, the, the, the pastor, you know, says the words in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, just as our Lord has instructed us and we come to understand the Holy Spirit enters that little baby through the act of baptism. And really, it is that same Holy Spirit that begins to to soften our hearts as we grow in years. It's that same Holy Spirit that provides us with an unquenchable faith in God the Father. It's that same Holy Spirit that allows us to look with the eyes of God upon present circumstances and to be able to say, Each person is of value. And each person ought to receive encouragement. And each person ought to be built up so that they too can come to the knowledge that God is truly good. You see, dear friends, God loved each of us so very much that he did, in fact, send his one and only son, understanding from the beginning that we would murder him. And yet he sent Jesus anyway that our sins could come to be forgiven. Now, some people, maybe in the back of their minds, that they'd argue, well, well it, it just was a slam dunk anyway, right? You know, it was kind of like, you know, God sent Michael Jordan onto the basketball court and said, hey, we need to win here. Right? But consider Jesus our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the crucifixion. Our Lord and Savior so concerned about the events that will take place the next day, he goes out into the garden in order to pray about it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, yes, worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. We're told from the scripture he, he prayed to such an extent, an exertion, that it was as if great drops of blood began to flow from his face, his scalp, his forehead. And now, you know, we, we can argue that, oh, it, it just was, you know, great drops of, of sweat, and it was just you know, that kind of exertion, and it just is described as blood, uh, but yet it could as well have been that the exertion of his prayer was so great that the capillaries began to, to rupture around his head. Nevertheless, it is with this great exertion, he prays and he calls out, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then, of course, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He goes back from this uh, first time of prayer. He finds his disciples sleeping. He says, you know, Peter, John, I ask you guys to stay awake and pray with me. And and here you are asleep. What are you doing? I need prayer. You know, Jesus said. This isn't a, a slam dunk. It's not just what we call Michael Jordan to win a basketball game. You know, Jesus is saying, I was asking for prayer. and You guys, you just didn't do it. He returns. He goes back a second time. Lord, he prays. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get through it. I don't know if I can bear the sin of the whole world. I don't know if I can make it to save these people, Lord, I need help. Let the cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours, be done. Again, he goes back a second time, again, the disciples are sleeping. Come on guys, can't you just stay awake in this most crucial time in my earthly life and praying for me? Is it so hard? And he goes back a third time. Now Jesus, our Lord and Savior, so very worried, so concerned about how the events will unfold on the day of his crucifixion. Goes to his Father three times. Lord, let it pass. I don't know if I can do it. Nevertheless, I will do it for them. See? Dear friends, that is the love our Savior has for us, he didn't even know that the outcome would be guaranteed, he didn't know if he could sustain the great suffering of the crucifixion, he didn't know if he could bear the sin of the whole world but yet even not knowing the outcome himself, he went forward, because there was a chance, now, of course, you know, it, it's easy for us, you know, looking back through time, to say, oh, of course Jesus could do it. Why was he worried in the garden? Why did he have to go three times and, and pray uh, to the, the Lord? Why was you know, that such a big deal? Of course he's going to do it. But at the time before the crucifixion, Jesus himself, had to go three times through extremely concentrated prayer, prayer that made it as though great drops of blood came from his scalp, prayer that was in agony, prayer calling out to God, Lord, let this be different. Nevertheless, because of my love for them, I will do it. Dear friends, that is what he's done for us. Amen.
1: I may the grace of our
0: Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Be in your hearts and minds, now and always. Amen.